Welcome back to Studs. I'm Daniel Lazar. Thank you so much for tuning in. Studs explores and honors working. It also honors the life's work of the oral historian and legendary Chicago radio host, Studs Terkel. And in my effort to close the social distance, Studs gives me a chance to check in with my people and take a deep dive into what they do for a buck. This episode of Studs features a conversation with Eric Spencer. Eric and I have a long history dating back to 1992. Back then, we were both running from our own separate things, but we found a deep connection. And we just recently reconnected after decades of distance. He used to be a huge talk radio nerd, and like me, he's got a fondness for Studs Terkel. He's definitely a podcast guy, so all the pieces were there, and I knew I could sucker him onto the show. Eric talks about what it's like to walk nine miles a day delivering posts in beautiful Burlington, Vermont. He also talks about what animated him to dive into the political fracas and become the president of the Vermont Letter Carriers Association. And despite the political frustrations of the moment, Eric speaks, rather poetically I should say, about why the USPS is important to him, why it should be important to us all, and how his bro Bernie has bolstered the Postal Service. It was a total joy to check in with Spencer, and I hope you enjoy this foray into the work and life of my favorite postman, Eric Spencer. Eric Spencer, welcome to the podcast. It is a bona fide pleasure to have you. I've been looking forward to this for some time. You and I just recently reconnected, and this is a great chance for me to take a deep dive into your world. Tell us, what do you do? I am a letter carrier with the United States Postal Service. And where in, where, in the, where in the United States are you carrying mail? Burlington, Vermont. Beautiful Burlington, Vermont. Truly an Eden. A socialist Shangri-La, if you will. Is it as idyllic as I imagine it to be? More so. I'm very fortunate. I, I came to Burlington with a two-year plan on finishing college and then seeing where life will take me. And here I am 20 years later. I, uh, I moved to Burlington June 1st, 2000. So oh, wow. I celebrated my 20th anniversary last month. On, hey, man, on happy year. anniversary. Very happy. It was a, for a while, I thought, what am I doing here? Why am I putting up with these winners? And this is crazy. And now I just can't imagine being anywhere else. Yeah, it makes me happy to hear it. Uh, genuinely happy. And, how, and you've been working for the post office how long, you say? Almost 17, 16 and a half years. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I finished college unsure what I wanted to do when I graduated. I figured I was going to go ahead and continue with my education and get into the teaching field. And, but I decided to take a little break and see what was up. And so I got a job with the Postal Service, kind of as like a, a non-career position where you just kind of you help out, supposedly, you know, no more than 30 hours a week. Turned out it was like 60 to 70 hours a week. And I would do that. And then I just, I've never left. So the term golden handcuffs definitely is true with the Postal Service. How did you, how did you money, land the gig? A friend of mine went into a post office, knew I was looking for work and said, hey, I saw a for, for hire sign or now hiring sign at the post office. Next thing I know, I was being investigated by the FBI to make sure that I had no uh, you know, shady background. Was there an appeal to working at the post office for you or was it just there was a gig and you wanted something to put some money in your pocket? At first, it was just a gig because I had no idea what... It entailed. I really never paid attention to a mailman before. I knew that there was some guy that walked really slow around my neighborhood 
and uh, dropped off mail, but I didn't pay much attention to it. it. It's not until you get into it and you do it, you actually see what, kind, what it is and how difficult and taxing of the job it is. Um, but I knew pretty quickly that it was for me. Now, is it what I envision it to be? Do you spend the majority of your day walking and or driving around beautiful Burlington, Vermont? I do. Uh, nine miles of walking a day on my specific route. There are different kinds of routes. They call park and loop, which is where you park your truck and you walk in a circle, come back to your truck and then go another way. And, or you just do the, what you see people delivering the mail out of the truck. How does the service parcel out who gets what route? Is it a matter of seniority? Do you guys draw it straws? It's seniority. So when a route becomes vacated, whether somebody leaves it for another route or retires, that route goes up for bid. And it's bid on by seniority. So whoever has the most seniority who bids it, gets it. I lucked out. I have a route which many would consider a retirement route, which, is, which means it's pretty sweet. Yeah. And tips are good, and the people are nice, and the neighborhood's great, but no one bid it except me. And so I lucked out. And I don't envision ever leaving this one, even though there are 60 for me to choose from in the Burlington area. I hit the jackpot on mine, and it's also just a couple of minutes from my house. So that means home for lunch, play with the dog, put some dry clothes on when it's raining. You know, I'm reasonably kind of certain that play with the dog is a metaphor in this particular. <laughs> But, but I digress. You work for Local 521. How many letter carriers are in your, uh, in, in your local? In About. my local, there are approximately 485. How much yes. of a sense of camaraderie is there between... Is there, uh, is there a genuine a like brotherhood, sisterhood, if you will? You know, as president, I would like to say that there is and it's thriving. But I will say that the camaraderie is not like it used to be. It's a mirror to our society where it's more of take care of yourself instead of worrying about what your neighbor is doing or what your coworker is doing or are we all in this together. It's just cover your ass type of mentality more than it used to be. Uh, there used to be a lot more social functions that people did after work and got together on the weekends and everybody knew everybody's spouses and kids. And I'm trying to get that back the best I can. It's been, it's been difficult. So if people aren't engaged, then people aren't paying attention and they're losing sight of their rights. They don't come to union meetings. They don't know what's going on. They only get a newsletter from me once a month. I wish people were more engaged because it's very important and people take us for granted for sure. They only pay attention to the union when things are not going their way. You, uh, you wake up at seven in the morning, something like that. The dogs jump on you. And do you have to report to a central office? Tell me about how the day starts. Well, I go to my office, which is a few minutes from my house, which is a nice luxury. I think I have a 90-second commute to work. I get to work and I do one thing that I never envisioned I was going to do while I was getting a college degree, and that's clock in, punch into a time clock. So I meet, in my office, there are only 10 of us, and everybody has their own little, we call them cases, but it's like you stand in a case of three wings around you and there's a slot in your case for every single address on your route. So you sort the mail by address. So that takes you a couple hours in the morning, your letters and your magazines and all that stuff. And you put it in order and then you take it down, pull it down off the case in delivery order, load your truck in a same similar way. So you put everything in delivery order. So you get to the next place 
what's in front of you is what you have to deliver. And that includes parcels as well. What time do you show up at the office? What time do you clock in? 7.30. And what time on a good day are you on the road? On a good day, nine. Uh, That means I'm going to get everything done in an eight-hour day, usually if I can get on the route by nine o'clock. There's days where the mail's heavy or the mail's late coming in and we're waiting. Then it turns into 9.30, 10, 10.30, and that's usually when the wheels fall off the postal truck. All of, all 10 of your colleagues are doing the same mm-hmm. thing at 7.30 in the morning. They're all humping mail. And are you guys talking to each other? Or are you sort of uh, cordoned off from one another? A little bit of both? We, we all, you are kind of in like your, like your own little cubicle, but we all can hear each other. We do step out, step, take a step back so we can all see each other. It's only one step backwards and everyone can see one another. Um, and we all kind of are around the perimeter of a, of a building or of a room, I should say. Uh, and in the middle, all the parcels are being sorted by route by uh, postal clerks. So they can see all of our backs huh. while we're working. And then, you know, we talked with one another. Some days it's talkative in the office and some days Monday mornings tend to be pretty quiet. There are some people I haven't heard speak in 10 years. So you, you get out on the road, let's say 9, 30, 10 o'clock, and then you're, you're going straight to your first house. Um, is it yeah. the same, same house, same, same route? You know, yes. like the back of your hand. I do. Yes. Um, they're my family at this point. I mean, I'm a part of their family. I get invited to their kids' birthday parties, to the block parties. You make it what you want to. And I've, I do love the fact that it's my extended family. And, and I want them to know that they can trust me with all their personal stuff. And I don't know I really enjoy it. And especially now more than ever with the COVID, it's become really satisfying to be some people's only lifeline to the outside world. I have customers who's yet to be, in, be into a store since all of this has happened. I bring mm-hmm. them everything. You know, mm. literally everything it's it's really it's really satisfying having kids on my route like leaving me messages in chalk on the sidewalk or on their driveway you know we love you mailman or thank you for everything you do and uh, i have one family who every day they write a new joke on their stairs up to the front house to make me laugh it's only for me are it's they lurid are they incredible. lurid jokes do they know your sense of humor is it dark <laughs> i wish no <laughs> Okay. No, they're always they're very they're very G-rated dad jokes. I'm sure it's still a, a ray of sunshine. It is. Um, it is. Is it hard for you? I mean, you want to finish your day. You want to go home to your you mm-hmm. know your 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 lovely dog and your wonderful wife and your comfortable home, but mm-hmm. you also want to chat with these people, especially if you are their lifeline. How do you balance your desire to be social with your need to get the job done? Um, and there is a lot of pressure to get the job done in a timely fashion. Um, you know, you have a lifetime to speak with these people. So you just try to do it in snippets, have a conversation here. Tomorrow we'll uh, follow up on this. So, you know, part two to come, you know, it's a never ending discussion. It's just, it's a lifelong conversation. Dare I ask, are there people on your route who you just find uh, infuriating and, and oh, downright damn. awful? Surely there are, you right? Know me. You know me. I have so much patience. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. There are. There are ones that, you know, you walk up to the house, you keep your head down, and you say, please don't come out. Please don't come out. Mm-hmm. And there's creepy people. I definitely have a couple of those customers that make odd comments about my, my hot legs. 
<laughs> and things like that. It's like, okay, sir. I'm yeah, sure your yeah. wife appreciates that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they are yeah. they are irresistible legs. You can't. They are. We should see them now after walking nine miles a day. Yeah, I bet. Um, <laughs> Do you, can I ask about that though? I, I mean, yeah. I, I've had a number of jobs in my life where I have to like genuinely work for a living. I no longer have to actually work. Monday feels great. Tuesday, Wednesday. By Thursday afternoon, Friday, your yeah. body, you know, we're the same age. Are you aching? Yeah, and I, I'm arthritic pretty bad too. So believe it or not, I probably have a different answer for you in 10 years, but being a letter carrier is therapeutic for my pain. It mm-hmm. keeps me moving, keeps me agile. I hurt when I stop moving. So it is legit, right? It is legit. In, in rain, sleet, snow, and hail, as they once used to say in the jingle, you if, if you have three feet of snow, as you get in Vermont, you're walking hip high in snow from door to door. Well, number one, I've never cared much for creeds. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, you really are walking in that. And, and when I say three feet of snow, we have three feet of snow in one storm. Those are my favorite days. Oh, can you talk about that? What you just get it's yourself? Awesome. You get in the zone. You get mm-hmm. it's, it's quiet. It's on gorgeous. The yeah, it's gorgeous, and no one's out. It's just all you can you can hear the snowfall. It is my favorite days. People think I'm crazy. My coworkers think I'm crazy. The rain is difficult. That's the worst part of the job. But snow is awesome. I love it. The rain will destroy well, the mail more. Yeah. Well, imagine doing your bills in the shower. Uh, uh. That's what it you know, is, wet huh? paper, no good. No, no good, good at all. What's the what's the part of the gig that's the biggest grind? Is it is it that more is it the first two hours in the morning when you're just sorting this stuff and you're you're in a little cubicle or that hour and a half, two hours is the biggest thing to complain about because I'm not out doing what I like to do. Bad dog owners is a grind. <laughs> I know that sounds lame, but there are truly people that have no idea how to be a good owner to their animal. I've been bit, mm, seriously bit three times and then nipped at probably a dozen times. Like seriously um, bit, like you got... Oh, the tetanus shot, go to the emergency room, all that, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, draw blood, all that good stuff. Have these people um, not seen Garfield cartoon books? I mean, this is... <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's crazy. I have one customer whose dog has been giving me a hard time for a while. I should say the dog's me the hard time. The owner's not taking care of his dog properly, so the dog comes at me. And uh, I've asked him to tie up his dog, and he said, I don't believe in tying up my animal. And I said, well, I don't believe in delivering your mail. <laughs> he hasn't had mail in months. He has to come and pick it up. The biggest grind of it all is, is management, underqualified management in the postal service. How are you managed? It sounds like you're... Poorly. You're- Clearly, but it sounds like it, the way you the way you had painted it up until now is that you're almost like an independent contractor. You come in, you grab mm-hmm. your you grab your stuff, and you're you're out in the world. But you're being managed. Tell me about that. Well, so management in the postal service is, I think, a unique business model. It's all comes from within. No one gets hired in management from outside of the postal service. So every everyone started as a craft employee, either started as a letter carrier or a clerk. I would say those who don't like to burn a calorie tend to go into management. They're looking for an easy way out. So no one's qualified. No one went to school to, to supervise or manage. And everyone feels squeezed in management from up above. They're told, you got to make them go faster, work harder. 
And then they're pushed back from us, the workers saying, screw you. I work at my pace. I do it my way. That middle management in the post office has probably got to be the one of the worst jobs I could ever imagine having. But they get paid well, so that's why people do it. But I've had very few caring, knowledgeable, capable supervisors in my career. Very few, unfortunately. Can you briefly talk me through the hierarchy? You have the clerks and the carriers, and then above Mm -hmm. them, you have what? So like local management. Uh, those are just your the supervisors that are in charge of scheduling and managing the store, if you will. Okay. And then there's the postmaster who is in charge of the postal operations for the city that oversees both the carrier craft and the clerk craft. And then above that, they have they have a boss. And then it goes into regional district, up, up the chain until you get to Washington and the postmaster general eventually. What is your interface with local management? Obviously, it's not particularly positive. They, is it because they, they they schedule you in ways that you're not particularly fond of? Like, what's your, if I if I may, just what is your beef? We have a contract that is a mutually arbitrated contract, and they just decide that that is nothing to concern them with, and they want to manage the way they see fit, and not follow the guidelines in the, in the contract in which we all agreed upon. So it's my job as a union official and started as just a shop steward and worked my way up to protect the rights of the letter carriers and to um, make sure that the contract is adhered to. Management likes to find ways to get around that and they'll just do whatever they, they have to do to get the mail delivered or whatever and say, just grieve it later and not do what they're supposed to do at the moment. So it, it's a constant battle you know, I always feel like it's it's a little bit of the Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote all the time. So you found your way into being a union rep. You're also the local president of 521, and you're the state president of mm-hmm. the Association of Carriers. You 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 found yourself in in the eye of the storm, as it were. Talk a little bit about how you became a union rep, and then how and why you got so actively and intimately involved in post office politics? Two reasons for that. Number one, I grew up with my mother being a union president my entire life for her teacher's union. So I, I mean, it, it was nonstop at the dinner table. Being a letter carrier is an amazing job. And I like just being a letter carrier, but I wanted a little bit more. I wanted to make sure that I kept sharp. And it was just, it's just interesting to me. It's not to most I do get a lot of thank yous from letter carriers saying like, I don't know why you do what you do, but thank you for doing what you do. Cause I don't, I wouldn't do it. What are they thanking and you for doing exactly? Taking care of them when they, when they, when they've been wronged by their bosses, I often take care of them when they don't even know that I'm doing it. I listen to everything. I hear everything. And I try to stop things before they happen. I've got people's jobs back who've been terminated because they were wrongly terminated. It's a lot of work, a lot of hours. I'm compensated for that, but not nearly as much time as I put in to it. It's a labor of love. Yeah, I I really do enjoy it. But yeah, my mom had a lot to do with it. She would be very, very proud. And um, and then you said, you know, having the two jobs in the union, the state president job is more or less, I'm a legislative organizer. It's my job to go schmooze with the senators and the congressmen in my state. My job is to encourage the senators to vote the way I want them to vote on postal issues because you know our salaries do get decided on the floor of Congress. 
I have very, very positive relationship with both senators in my state. Wouldn't consider Bernie a friend, but I would consider him certainly an ally and a, just a, a great man and a great advocate for postal issues. He, if it wasn't for him, the whole United States Postal Service would be at a very different place. There's been movements to go from six-day to five-day delivery. Bernie took that uh, fight on. Some administration's goal is to shut the post office down in its current form and to privatize. What, what is your message to those who make the following argument? And, and I'm, I'm merely making it, it's an argument that you're familiar with and I'm making it um, for the sake of your response, that you now have competition. You have DHL and you have FedEx and UPS. Mm-hmm. The employees in those organizations are not state supported. They, they mm-hmm. tend to not have strong unions. Uh, they get paid less. They are uh, pretty darn efficient. Mm-hmm. Why do we need a uh, state-supported taxpayer postal service in 2020? We don't have that. Not since 1971, I believe, has a one penny of taxpayers' uh, dollars gone into the postal service. We're completely self-sufficient. Uh, I like to remind people that when they see me taking a break and like, oh, there goes our tax dollars sitting around doing nothing where none of it is. But to get to your point, we're necessary because no one else is doing that last mile. Uh, We hit every single address in the United States. UPS doesn't go everywhere. FedEx doesn't go everywhere. We go everywhere. It's just important to maintain a strong middle class uh, workforce. There's 633,000 of us. And that's 633,000 middle-class Americans. Why anyone would want to get rid of that just so a few people can make more money and everyone else make less money, just seems crazy to me. My local FedEx guy is miserable. He makes half the much money as I do. He works twice as much and he has no representation. That's terrible. That's not how you should be able to go home and enjoy the fruits of your labor. Have and you talked what, to uh, FedEx guys or or sure. uh, or the, yeah? What does that conversation yeah. sound like? Are they are they envious because you you have protections and and the salary yeah. that they don't? Yeah, because like FedEx has gone to a complete non career workforce. It's all contracted labor thing. So yes, yeah, very envious. Uh, UPS on the other hand, they do make good money, but they have gone to a two tiered workforce as well, where they have the haves and the have nots. The post office unfortunately has that too. I was part of that uh, where. I didn't have benefits. I didn't have vacation. I didn't have sick leave. There's camaraderie among us when we run into each other on the streets and how's your day? Oh, Amazon's killer today. And this and that, you know, it's known that we are taking care of the the best of all the delivery services, not because of tax day, taxpayers money. Because of people like you and, and your, your brothers and sisters who are fighting for it. It sounds like you're, 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 are you winning the fight? Tell me, tell me about the state of the fight. I believe that we are every Every attempt to knock us down has failed. We're very persistent. We're certainly being treated like pawns right now between the current administration and is having some kind of childish fight with Jeff Bezos and Amazon and kind of using us as a, as a tool. And the president just called us a joke and said, you shouldn't trust your letter carriers because hmm. he's worried about voting by mail. And that we're somehow the letter carriers are going to influence, throw away his votes and add other people's votes. Well, but but if this is his one mistake as president, you can't hold it against him. 
I'm still giving him a chance. I, you know, I think he's going to turn it around eventually yeah. and really, yeah. really be the next Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's frustrating uh, to have a boss not respect you. Um, mm-hmm. He is my boss and it, it is frustrating, but we are winning the fight. Currently there has been um, talk of letting us sink because of COVID. Like everyone, we're losing money faster than we can make it. Just the mail isn't there anymore because since COVID, it'll come back. But it's so we need we need a little help. There's the taxpayers coming. We do need a little help, just like we gave help to United Airlines and Pepsi and everyone else. But we're being left alone. And so we have been begging with our handout just for a little temporary bridge to get us through this. And the current administration has denied that. Um, so we are now have taken to um, you know, a political action committee and trying to influence that way. We, we take, we're doing commercial ads. We're doing, the post office is doing commercials during Fox News. All the things that we know that the president is watching, actively trying to influence him directly. It's always been a pretty handoff, nonpartisan operation. This is the first time I've ever seen like true politics come into it. It's, yeah. it's not. It's no place for it. Yeah, it's messed up, man. I've been following it um, mostly because I care about you, but also because I I, I care about workers more broadly. And yeah. I got I can't resist the t- temptation to say I'm really sorry, man. I'm sorry that you and yours are going through it. It's just such an indignity that nobody deserves, and it makes me real sad to hear that your boss mm-hmm. doesn't respect you. That's a crying. Yeah. It's a crying shame. And I'm, um, you have uh, not just my sympathy, but my solidarity. And I real, I, I really feel for you, you and yours, man. It's a real. I sounds like a real that. mess. But now tell me, you, you, you get done at whatever six o'clock or something. Yeah, yes. And then you gotta. Are the evenings reserved for union work, or can you do some of it? You know, uh, with an earbud in when you're walking down the street talking <laughs> to people. Like, how do you, how do you juggle the different hats you you wear? Well, in an ideal world, everything that I do union-wise is supposed to be done on the clock so that any money that I make being a union official is kind of a supplement. That's in a perfect world. Uh, I do find that I spend at least an hour a day after work returning phone calls, emails, or preparing statements, grievances, whatever, for the next day. I might have to meet with a manager over a specific issue the next morning, so I don't want to go in there unprepared. But I... I try to uh, maintain a healthy work, you know, home life balance. I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones. I always say this, I love my job. It makes me so happy to hear that. Uh, and I hope that a lot of your fellow mail carriers feel the same way. Um, I identify with that. I'm a public employee as well. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, uh, along with you, I... I feel a great sense of solidarity with my fellow teachers and I, oh, yeah. I, I feel real lucky either as, as a letter carrier or, or as a union rep. Is there an aptitude that you think you could refine to become more, more effective in, in your role? Separating work and home. And that's what I needed to, to get better at because I was terrible at it at, at first. I took it home with me. I really take personally when one of my coworkers has been wrong. A letter carrier being screwed with, I feel, is me being screwed with. 
it is a uh, a hallmark of this fledgling podcast of mine to ask my guests to conclude with endorsements. Offer me up a guest that you think would be ideal for this type of conversation or a profession that you would like to learn more about. I do. It's uh, two people and they would be the same interview with their husband, wife, and they own a comedy club that just opened up in Burlington, Vermont. They are an amazing couple and they're hilarious. They're truly wonderful people and uh, inspirational. Eric, it has been such a pleasure to be with you, to learn from you, and to, to learn that you landed on your feet and you found a job that you love and that you are representing people who are, I am sorry to say, um, kind of under attack right now in this divisive political moment, but they are lucky to have you by their side and have you leading the charge. We know that this political moment is going to end hopefully sooner than later. The next president will be more friendly towards the middle class and more friendly towards the letter carriers. It's a real joy of mine to just spend a little time with you and to learn about your work. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I look forward to chatting with you soon. Thanks, Dan. The pleasure was all mine. This was truly awesome. Oh, man, what a pleasure to reconnect with Eric Spencer. Kind of a shame that we'd been out of touch for decades, but that's all in the past. Upwards and onwards, my friends. All right, I'll say it. I'm more than a little bit jealous. Walking the streets of Burlington, Vermont. Did I, did I get into the wrong line of work? Is it too late to become a postal worker? I got to talk to Eric, see if I can't get hooked up. All right, I'm on it. For your part, please subscribe, leave a like, offer a comment, and please help me honor working and share studs with your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers. If you think the show sucks, link it to an enemy or a frenemy. That'll teach them. Hey, if you're still here, I left a little epilogue at the end of this one. You'll like it. I mean, you might like it. You shouldn't like it. You'll probably like it. You had one of those situations where like, you walked up the door and you're like, Oh, oh, I'm really sorry. They're like, oh, don't be. This is for you. Yes, I've certainly been jerked off at. Oh, have you yeah. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, you know, like it's like it's supposed to be like, oh, I didn't know you were there type bullshit when they knew I was coming. That's yeah, wonderful. That's Congratulations. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm okay. You yeah. know, I'm a little scarred mentally maybe because I saw that old fat guy's dick, but whatever. It's yeah. not my first. It's not your first, <laughs> not your first old fat guy's dick. <laughs>